Okay, let's get started with this year's Parshas Vayishlach, Tav Shin Ayin Hey, as we continue. Safe Febracious, all these exciting Parshias. We have 11 Shvatim, 11 sons, one daughter coming back with Yaakov Avinu, and Leah and Rachel, and they are going to meet Esav, and the meeting is on the horizon. Yaakov Avinu gets ready, as we know, Rashi tells us in three different ways, getting ready for Mochama, getting ready by sending presents, getting ready by davening, and we'll start off <laughs> with the Pasuk, Paraglamet based Pasuk in Aleph, Yaakov is very nervous, and he starts davening Takadosh Baruch Hu. So it's Davin, Kodesh Baruch you have to help me. Because I don't really deserve it. We'll get back to that part of it a little bit later. Katonti Mikala Chasad Mikala Emes. I'm nothing, I'm small. After all the Chesed that uh, was uh, was done, with my staff, with my stick, I've crossed this Yardain, the Atah Yisi Machanos. And now I have become two Machanos. There's one little line in Rashi that we don't always focus on. What does it mean that Yaakov crossed Says Rashi, Kivamakli, two days. First day in Rashi. I didn't have anything. I only had, I didn't have cattle, I didn't have silver and gold. I only had my stick. And then Rashi quotes a second day. Umedrish Agada. What does it mean that he had his stick? Nasan maklo biyardain v'nivka hayardain. Rashi quotes it. We usually run over this Rashi. Rashi says that when Yaakov crossed the yardain coming back, he split the yardain. It split with his maklo, with his stick. What do we think of somebody crossing the yardain with a staff? So Rashi says, Nasan maklo biyardain v'nivka hayardain. The yardain split. Says the Hegyon Shaltara ben Sion Firer. If we look at this in a historical context, we know that there were three people in history, at least in biblical history, that crossed, that split a body of water. Okay, some of the Tanoim might have done it, the Gemara tells us in Chulin, and they might have happened later as well. But in terms of Tanakh, there were three people. As we know, the first one to do it was right here, Yaakov Avinu. Later on in history, Moshe Avinu splits According to the Medrash, it was Nachshon, but according to the Torah Shebechsav, it was Moshe with his Mate. And we have, of course, Yehoshua ben Nun in the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua on the 10th of Nisan, where B'nai Yisrael go into Eretz Yisrael, he splits the, he splits the Yarde. Line 6 now. Gam Yaakov, gam Moshe, hayanachutz makelo Mate. Yaakov and Moshe both needed the stick. Kedei lahavki hayam. To split it. Ve'ilu Yehoshua ben Nun heviris b'nei Yisrael asa yardain v'yardain nifka lefnei b'li makel Yehoshua and the troops or lack thereof didn't require a stick. What happens? The Pesukim tell us. The Kohanim went in, the feet touched the water, boom, the water split. No staff needed in that case. V'yekanoach kapos raglei ha-Kohanim nosei Aron Hashem adon kala aretz in our Navi Shiurim, we discussed that uh, that lashon of Adon Kal Haaretz in the context here. Feel free to listen. We're towards the end of Sefer Yehoshua now, also on the OU website. Splits, no makel. Asks Rebbe Siyon Firer, why did Yaakov Avinu and Moshe Rabbeinu they needed a stick to split the yarding? Right? It says here, makel the Yehoshua split it just by walking in. Just walking in, boom, the water split. And if you want to suggest maybe you needed the stick, but you know what? The Yardin has, it's, has split already. Right, a couple a couple of years earlier with Yaakov. So it wasn't split once, by the time Yeshua came along, it was already in the splitting mode. And therefore, you didn't need the makel the second time. No. We know the Gemara tells us, the Medrash tells us, that when Moshe Rabbeinu split the Yamsuf, every water source in the entire world split. Right? We always learn in elementary school, if you're in the bathtub, right? The water split. Everywhere you were. So all the water split. It wasn't only the Yardane. So why is it? What is it about the... 
makel that needed to be used that needed to be used here. Ella suggests the Hegiona Shaltorik, and he has a number of of uh, works. Rabbi Tzion Fierer, we've quoted from a number of them. Panem Masbiras Shaltorik. This is in the Hegiona Shaltorik. Kach Darko Shel Olam. He tells us maybe the secret here is human nature. It's not about humans here, but it gives us an insight into human nature. And that is, let's put it this way, you always like to be on the winning team. Says Bermetzion Führer, Adam ner dafal tzavaro, haborech wepnei rotfav, if somebody's running away and he's about to get victimized, he's about to lose, he's about to be downtrodden, he doesn't have too many friends in that state. Nobody wants to befriend what we would call somebody who's about to lose. Nobody wants to be the, the friend or a, a fan of a team. You know what? You're not, you're not really, you're not so loyal in, at that state. Ain lo ben pure bris. Ain afechad sas lichros brisim chalashim. Nobody wants to make covenants and treaties with the weak. Gam sar hayam. The sar, the malach, who is in charge of the sea of the water. Kaddish Baruch Hu, as we know, according to the Ramban and many other Rishonim, put powers over different areas of the world. The Ramban writes his at length at Vajzach Ramos. Every country has a Sar. There's six Parsa. We'll get to later. There's Saru Shal Esav. Sar, every Sar. Eretz Yisrael doesn't have a Sar. Okay. But every, every area, the bodies of water, has a Sar. Suggests the Hegyon Shal Torah, the Sar Ayam, Eino Sasla Amod Liyamin Yaakov. You know what the difference is between Yaakov and Moshe versus Yehoshua? Yaakov and Moshe were running away. Yaakov and Moshe were fugitives. Yaakov and Moshe, who says they're, they're going to win? Who says that they're going to end up on top? So, again, it's not human nature, but it's teaching human nature. As we know, every story teaches us. They're running away. Who knows what's going to happen to the Jews? They had to do a symbolic act to say we're in charge. We are in charge, remember? People are in charge of inanimate objects. People are in charge, and that's the, that's the message of the mate taking the inanimate object and hitting the sea, saying, no, no, we are the Bechir Hanivra. We are the creation and you are subservient to us. But they needed to do that. They needed to show, to reflect that. Yeshua Benun? No need. Everything's lying in their dust. Now it's time to go. The final stage of our Geula. They're about to go into Eretz Yisrael. No, no stick needed. Yoshua lo barach el who radaf. He went. Yoshua, remember the story in the, the beginning? They were already, in Yericho, they all scared. Racha reported, all the nations are already scared of Am Yisrael. Yoshua halech lechvoches Eretz Kenan, midei shivas amei Kenan. They're on their way. They're winning. They are the victors. And they are the uh, victors that are Assumed to be in the future as well. Last line. Kishasar Hayam Rashi Yoshua Bar Yisrael Rotsim Lavar Tayarden. No problem. I'm on your team. Who nasog balakach iboet amayim kedeisha kovshim yuchul lavar bayabasha. That's the answer. Zeh also he says fascinatingly a question that's bothered many. We know later on in history Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu Parshas Chukas the famous story of hitting the rock. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu not zochah to go into Eretz Yisrael? There is pshatim given. The Ramban there quotes four. We discussed it a number of years ago. Is it because he got angry? Is it because he called Bnei Yisrael rebels? Or is it because of hitting the rock? He was supposed to talk to the rock and instead he hit the rock. Okay. So that's one of the pshatim. Because he hit the rock instead of talking to the rock. But a little earlier in history, he was commanded to hit the rock. And that's part of the confusion, they said, in Moshe Rabbeinu's mind. So why earlier was it okay to hit the rock, while here, later on in Parshas Chukas, it's not okay, and Moshe is punished for it. A question that's bothered Rishonim. Says that, Yonah Totorah, exactly our answer. 
Same exact point. What state were Am Yisrael in at each stage when the stories took place? Line 8 in the second column. Why in Rafidim was Moshe commanded, hit the rock and bring water? And yet in Midbartsin, it's Tabulotzi Mayim Misela, Belila Hakosalov. Without hitting it. Why? What's the difference? The Rafidim Kasuv, we know why was it called Rafidim? The end of Bishalach. Why? Because at that stage, right? Who knew? They were they were rough boy. They were weak. They weren't in a state of power, and therefore the Sarhayam also didn't view them in a state. Whatever the Sarhayam didn't view them, and therefore the human Moshe had to take a symbolic act upon himself in order to say that no, no, you're subservient to me. Masha'en came later on. Let's read it now, line 22. Still running. Until they were hit. The door that has been zochet to the mun. And... To the Be'er um, and to the Anan, Veloya Raduf mi Betzrayim, Dorshem Mitkonin Kam Lechbojaretz Kenan. They're ready, and therefore no need. Yes, ultimately the entire Bria is there for Am Yisrael, as the Kuzeri writes, the four levels of being, the domain, the inanimate objects, the Tzomeach, the growers, the plants and the trees, the animal kingdom on top, Chai, and then finally on top Midaber. The speaker's reflection of intellect. We are on top of the creation pyramid. Yes. But sometimes it doesn't come naturally. Sometimes we have to, so to speak, so show the sar of these items, the spiritual powers of these items that we are in charge. And that's the difference between the mate by Yaakov, the makel by Yaakov, the mate by Moshe, and just the feet of the Kohanim when it comes to Yehoshua bin Okay. Next, we have a couple of uh, unique items tonight on uh, on the agenda. So safer that we've never quoted from before in the next source. Paraglamid Bays Pasik Hay. Now going back towards the beginning of the story. Second Pasik in the Parsha. So Yaakov sends Malachim Lofanov, Elaisavachiv, and he says to them, Ko Tomrun La Esav, go say to my master Esav. Ladoni Leisav. Koamar Avdechayakov. A second Lushan of subservience. A second Lushan of my master, your greatness. He says, Ladoni Leisav. And he says, Avdechayakov. Imlavangarti, okay, we know the Chazal, Vo'echerat Ata. Please have some presence. Yaakov is so nice to Esav. Says the Tikkun, one of the Zutas in the Medrash. The Sefer Yalkut Yehuda was written by the same author as the Musar Hanavim. Musar Hanavim was written by Yehuda Leib Ginsburg, who was a rub in Europe. He came over and then he was a rub in Denver. He was Nifter in 1946. But his Sefer Musar Hanavim on Navi, Yalkut Yehuda on Allah Torah. It's similar to the Torah Tamima in that he quotes a Chazal and then he gives his own Pshatim on the bottom of, um, of what he thinks about the Chazals. So here it is, Yalkut Yehuda. See, he tells them. We just read the Pasuk. He said that, you know, Adoni Esav, right? Avdecha Yaakov. The Medrash gives a mashal. Lomar Ludoros. This is to teach later generations. Shelo Yiskashu Kineged Don't be brazen and stubborn and hard in front of a wave. Shekala Miskasha Kineged Hagal Shotfo. If you try to stand up against a wave that is crashing on you, you're going to get broken down and fall down. If we bend into the wave, if we allow the wave to go over us, there are so many messages. If you're ever at a beach, if you're ever at the ocean, it's unbelievable what a spiritual experience that could be. 
So many midrashim to think about. This is one of them. This is the next one on the list. You think about how Kaddish Baruch Hu created that the water is trying to flood the earth. If you really look closely at the water, you see the wave is trying. The Kaddish Baruch Hu makes it stop at the shore. And trying, it makes it stop at the shore. Every time the wave is coming, it's a little closer by the tide, and then it stops. And then it goes back and forth and back and forth. Or the Medrash talks about how the water is trying to get up to Shemayim, because the, the brethren water is on top of the Shemayim. And it's not fair. We want to be up there. Why would pe- we put down here on earth? And that water is above. Kaddish Baruch Hu split the waters in Parshas Bracious. There's so many messages just by looking at water. And here's the next one. When a wave comes, by Yaakov Avinu says, bend into the wave. Don't stand up against the wave. What's the message? Says the Yaakov Yehuda, how do we act when there are enemies? Certain enemies, as we will get to. Vizel Tzivoy on the right side. Lodoros. As the Medrash says, Lodoros. This is not talking about, let me just make one point, of self-defense. Self-defense, obviously. There's a mitzvah, right? That's a mitzvah. But this is, in certain times of history, without mentioning any specific cases, we'll mention two that are in Chazal, or one in the Chazal and one in the Torah. Navi. We have to be mevater sometimes. Vilios nichnaim. Maruso, and just accept the authority of the governing outsiders. Shel Esav. Yisrael. Where do we have a case like this in the times of Chazal? Bayesheni. Before the Chorban. We know Yerushalayim was surrounded. The Gemara and Gittin tells us that they had enough uh, spoils. They had enough food and straw and supplies to last for a couple of years in the siege. And a number of the Jewish people said, so let's just let's just mind their own business. Maybe they'll go away. Maybe they'll let us be. They had enough spoils. And yet, there was the other group that said, no, we have to fight the Romans. We have to rebel against the Romans. We have to show them who's boss. And as the Gemara tells us, they burned down the storage houses and they left the situation of Ein Breira. There were two groups, two minds. Don't stand up against the wave. That's what the Talmud Chachamim said. It's not the time. It's not the time to rebel against the Romans. The Romans weren't destroying Jewish life at that time, the spiritual life. They surrounded. They surrounded up, maybe eventually. But we know, we did it to ourselves through the Sinas Chinam. But it wasn't the pernicious, as we'll talk about soon, the pernicious in, infection that the Yavanim put amongst Am Yisrael, drawing out all of their spiritual life. It wasn't like that. They surrounded us. They were going to kill us eventually. But at the time, maybe if we don't rebel, they'll let us live. It wasn't like the Yavanim who said, Ride on the horn of your ox, which was the biblical bumper sticker. Right? Ride on the horn of your ox. It's like, put on the back of your car. This is what you have to write. We don't believe in God. That's what they made the Jews write. The Rabbanan said at that time, don't go out. But the Jews amongst the Kanan, the radicals amongst Klai Yisrael, the Biryonim said, no. We have to fight. I know we're fine spiritually, but we have to fight them. And eventually, as we know, no more food. had to be smuggled out as if he was dead. He told the Spasian, he saved the Sanhedrin. But that's what happened in the earlier part of the story. It was two groups. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the leader of the generation, and those followers said, now's not the time. Now's the time to follow the Medrash. The Medrash that tells us, bend to the wave. The Medrash on our Pusik. And fascinatingly, says the Yalkut Yehuda, maybe this could help us explain a very intriguing and cryptic line in Mesechus Brachas. Says the Gemara Brachas, line 18, when Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, 
the same person, was on his deathbed, he gave some instructions to his students, to his Talmidim. His Talmidim went to visit him. At the moment of his Ptira, he said to them, Remove the Kalim. I don't want them to become Tameh. He knew the end was near. Take the Kalim out. He doesn't want them to become Tameh. And he had a vision of someone coming towards him. We know there are a number of stories that people, people know that the last few moments, the last moments, the last hours, sometimes people have visions of someone from their life, from a previous life. They see them. Who did Rabbi Yochanan Mezakai see? He saw Chizkiyahu, one of the great kings of Malchus Yehuda. Chizkiyahu is coming. Get a, get a kisei ready for him. What does Chizkiyahu have to do with Rabbi Yochanan Mezakai? Why Dafka with Chizkiyahu coming? Gemara tells us other stories about Tanoim, meaning earlier Tanoim, Chizkiyahu, a Melech? Why that? Why Chizkiyahu? He lived so long ago. Why was Dafka that one that Rabbi Yochanan Mezake was shown? And that's what he expressed to his students. Line 21. Says the Yachid Yehuda, put it together. At the time of Chizkiyahu, a Melech, there were also two groups. If you remember the story, Sancherev, the king of Ashur, was surrounding Yerushalayim. The question is, what's, what, what to do? What should we do? The bismano bishab shakaras brisim aspinos hon heina kanoim omrim shabazer asam aisal begida neged amo vil bevadesh ayunavim ledugma shat sedekim tami maaser chizkiyah amelech the kanoim in the time of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai thought that they were right, thinking back in history to what happened in the times of Chizkiyot. What happened then? Shari Gampis Manchabas and Cherev Lihilachem Yisrael. Nizchalko Beis Yisrael Ashtay Kitos. There too, if you read the Navi, there were two groups, different groups in the times of Sancherev and Chizkiyot. Miflagachas, Tarshalaso Shalom in Melachashur. Make peace. Vishevna Hasofer. Hayarosh Shalom Miflagahazos. That's what Shevna Hasofer believed, but Chizkiyot did not think that way. Chizkiyahu says, no, we have to fight. And he did a special simon to figure it out. But Chizkiyahu believed at that time we have to stand up for the covet of Am Yisrael and it's time to, we have to fight them. Line 11, Lachain, the people who were against Rabbi Yochanan Metzakai said, look, Chizkiyahu is on our side. He definitely will not be happy with what you did. So Dafka Chizkiyahu comes to greet Rabbi Yochanan Metzakai. Why? Because every situation in Jewish history is different and has to be weighed differently. And we have to ask, we have to go to the greats, the leaders. We have to go to our leaders to figure out what HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands. Do we have to act like Yaakov Avinu did with Esav? Yaakov didn't come and say, yo, you're lowly. No, Adoni Esav. Avdecha Yaakov. That's what was demanded for the time. Esav wasn't out to prove God is wrong. So it's not a time to focus on that. Velochein line 13, that's why fascinatingly, Kotem Petit Russell, Shrabi Yochanan Metzakai, he says, Chizkiyo's coming. He's on my side. It was a different time in history. Sha'af l'cha'ora, ha'yanir eshu lo'alach b'derach shel Chizkiyo, b'cholze, Chizkiyo ba'lifgoa oto, came to meet him. Because, different, different times. Why? In that time, as he continues, Rak Mizman Sheh Rav Sheka Bala Gadeif Ma'archos Yisrael Umakam Shek Pogim Bekvod HaMakom If one of the generals of Sancherev is standing up and cursing God and is a Chil Hashem then you have to stand up. Then we have to fight. If our religion is being persecuted and there's a way to fight back there's a way to stand up. If it's about proving that the Jewish people have no right to exist there's no such thing as a chosen nation Let's stop a war. But then, in the time of Chizkiyot, that's why. It wasn't that way in the time of Yochanan ben Zakkai. So only when there's Chil Hashem involved. Turning over. Okay. That gets us into it. Yaakov and 
He's on his way back. And now we go back, a little bit out of order, but now we get back to the first Pasuk. We went to the fifth Pasuk, to the second Pasuk, back to the first Pasuk. And again, trying to focus on a few lines of Rashi that we don't always focus on. Here it's two words of Rashi. Rashi tells us, Vayishlach Yaakov malachim lufanav al-Esav achiv. Yaakov says, Malachim to Esav achiv. Who were these Malachim? First Rashi in the Parsha. Malachim mamish. Actual Malachim, Rashi says. Actual angels. Yaakov sent angels to Esav. Esav must have been on a pretty high level to see angels. But we know various times in history, even people who were not on such a high level were, in quotes, Zochet to see angels when there was a purpose involved. Like Bilam Arasha. Right? Sometimes you see angels even though one is not on the level. So Esav was Zochet to see these angels. The question is, why did Yaakov have to send angels? Why Malachim Mamish? What was the need? What was the need for that? And we have a thought what we would call a charifus, a sharp thought, as is always his wont, of the Chanukah Satara, the Rebbe of Heshel. We're going to have more of the Hashkafa and Musr thoughts in the continuation of this year, but here we have a few sharp ideas. The Chanukah Satara, the Rebbe of Heshel, who was a Rebbe of the Shach and the Taz, early Achron, classic thought of his, he puts together three arguments from various places and puts them all together. And with that explains why Yaakov sent angels to Esav. He was giving him a message here. Why was he sending actual angels? Source number four. Send people. Why angels? What was he sending angels for? There's a lot of angels in Yaakov's life. Probably more than any of the other Avos, if you think about it. Okay, there was a Malach Hashem that told Avram, don't kill your son. Yes, there was a Malach Hashem there, Malach Elohim. But Yaakov has angels in last week's Parsha all over. He has angels at the beginning of the Parsha, and he has angels at the end of the Parsha, not just one set of angels, two sets of angels. Malachim going up the ladder and down the ladder, and Malachim coming to greet him. Malachim. So this is right after that experience. The end of last week's Parsha, Machanoyim. Angels. Makes a lot of sense reading the Parsha. But why? Why the need for actual angels? So, three machlokos he mentions, and then we'll put it all together. Machlokos number one. The Pasuk tells us in Parshish Kisisa that it is impossible for man to see God. It says the Pasuk line six, Man shall not see me and live, says Hashem to Moshe. Sorry, can't be. Why? What's the, what's the problem? Obviously, there's a lot, could I have, a lot to talk about here, about the infinite. But what exactly does the Medrash tell us? Two opinions. Echad. A person who really understands, and maybe this is the pshat of the Gemara and Chagiga, about the four people who went into the orchard of spirituality, Nicholas Lepardes, and we know one of the Tanoim died. What happened? So what does the first opinion say? They became connected to the Shechina. It was like a magnet. They couldn't release themselves. It wasn't so much that it was fundamentally wrong or inappropriate, but it's just dangerous. A person can be on a very high level. It's not advised, but it's not inappropriate, we would say. Says the Manda Amar in the Medrash. What's a Imo. When a young calf sees its mother, the, 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 the offspring can't stop running. doesn't matter. The offspring will run off a cliff to follow the mother. Because it's all about that, that source. When the Neshama sees the Kisei HaKavid, whatever that means, it can't break away. That's probably the pshad of the one that didn't come out. So that's one opinion. Not advised. But there's nothing inappropriate about it. Number two. The second, line 15, no, no. 
don't. Don't think of yourselves on the level of angels. That they are, you know, above your levels. You're not angels. Don't think, it's inappropriate. Don't try it, not just because it's dangerous, but because it's, it's inappropriate. Al-Tidamu, right? Let's compartmentalize that. Number two. Top of the left page. There's another machlokas tanoim. Who's greater in a certain sense? A tzaddik who has bechira chavshis who accomplishes, who does more, or a malach. A malach is a malach. A malach is spiritual. A malach never is, uh, is with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. These, This machlokas can be connected to what we just said. Im Amrina, line four, line five, to malachim gdolam yoser. According to the opinion that says angels are higher, that's the second opinion. Angels have one above us. It's inappropriate, it's also for a tzaddik to try to look at the shechina and understand. But if a tzaddik is greater than an angel, so then it's not inappropriate, it's just dangerous. Number two. So those two are connected. And now we get to number three. And then it all comes together. There's more than two, but he will quote two. How and why did Yitzchak become blind at the end of his life? Rashi and Parshish told us, quotes a couple of pshatim. How did he get blind? This is the Avos. Right? We don't assume that the Avos became elderly and, and uh, feeble. Those aren't the words we usually use. Right? Yaakov Avinu, we say, was the first person to become sick. Beginning of Parshish Vayechi, the Perkiter Belazar says, it says, Vayichi Yaakov, he became old. Yaakov said, please, Hashem, make me old. So I realize it's the end of my life and I can talk to my kids before I die. Said Yaakov. The Pirkei Dabalazah says, it used to be, people used to sneeze, boom, and they died. That's why we say, God bless you. Or Gesundheit. Labriyut. For health. We don't say that when people cough. Right? Or people, uh, you know, whatever. Why when they sneeze? Because people used to die. Says the Pirkei Dabalazah. So Yitzchak wasn't sick, so why did he become blind? So the manager says, for a reason. Two days, quoted here. Day number one, he looked at the Shechina, inappropriately. And therefore, Suma, Chashav Kemes, and that's why how he became blind. Or, today, purely because he didn't do anything wrong. Why? Because Hashem wanted the brachas to go to Yaakov Avinu. That's why nothing to do with what Yitzchak did. So Machlokas, either he looked at the Shechina, obviously shouldn't have looked at the Shechina, if he became blind from it, or just to get the brachas. So now, says the Chanukah Satorah, says the Rebbe Reb Heshel, let's put everything together and understand why Yaakov sent Malachim Mamish to Esav. He's giving him a deep message here. If a person sends somebody to do something for them, who's the real balabas in that relationship? A great person is not going to be a shliach for a lower person. It's not going to work that way. A lower person is a shliach for the greater person. He's doing his work for him. The mishaleach, the sender, is always greater than the shliach. So when Yaakov Avinu sends Malachim Mamish to Esav, what's he saying in effect? He has his world of Malachim. He has all these Malachim. He sends a Malach to Esav as if to say, I'm greater than a Malach. The mishaleach is greater than a shliach. Machlokas number two. Tzadikim are greater. And therefore, we can look at the Shechina. And therefore, 
If my father, if our father became blind because he looked inappropriately, he wouldn't, it wasn't inappropriate. So it must be reason number two. So I could get the brachas. So I was always appropriate to get the brachas, so please don't be angry. It's all connected. In Cain, let's say it again. What does he show by showing, sending real angels that we hold like the opinion of a tzaddik is greater than a malach because a mishaleach is greater. So if you're wondering then why did our father lose his eyesight if people can look, right? They're higher than a malach. I'll tell you why. Second reason of the medrash to give me the brachas because you know Esav, we, we all know that he loved you. But I was destined to get it. It's all out of our hands. It wasn't me, it was the divine hand. Remember, Esau believed in the brachos. He was very angry when he didn't get them. He believed there's koach to these brachos. And therefore Yaakov was saying it was beyond us. Kodesh Baruch Hu had it all planned. It wasn't me, it wasn't your mother. It was all HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Put the three Machlokos together and we have a Chanukah Satora that one could use in a shir. Okay. Moving right along. Towards the end, as we said, of this experience, we're going to get to Yaakov and the angel a little bit. we got a, got a lot to talk about here. Says the Pasuk. Yaakov is nervous. Yaakov is nervous. As we mentioned before, Pasuk Yedalef, Kantonti Mikola Chasadim Mikola Emes. I don't know if he's going to kill me. Hashem, you said, You said you're going to be going to, you promised. You promised, Hashem, please. You said that my, my seed is going to be like the sand. It's not going to be counted. Please, please help me. See, he's davening here, he's sending presents here, he's splitting up the camp. As we know, um, preparing in all different ways. Why was he so nervous? HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised. Right? Like he said. He, he doesn't think HaKadosh is going to keep his promise? He promised. As we many are familiar, the third blot in Shas, the Gemara in Brachas Nabdalet said, he's nervous that Hashem promised, but if I don't deserve it anymore, if a parent says something to a child, and then the child does something really not so nice, and then the, the child says, you promised. Yeah, but that was then. This is now. You blew it. So Yaakov was worried that he blew it. Says the source number five. But there's still a problem here. Because there's a difference if a parent promises something and God promising something. The Rambam tells us one of the Yisodos Emuna, part of one, in Nuchos Yisodia Torah. If Hashem promises to do something good, it's going to happen. Bad, maybe not, but maybe we'll do tshuva. And Rachmanus will kick in. But if Hashem promises through a Navi that something positive is going to happen, that's how you know whether somebody is a Navi Sheker. If a Navi says that this is going to happen, something good for the Jewish people, and it doesn't happen, we know he's a lying. He's a Navi Sheker. Because it has to happen. Navi, if something bad is going to happen, that doesn't prove he's a Navi Sheker, because maybe we did Shuva. Right? Ninveh. What does Yonah say? Va'ir Nepeches is going to be overthrown, and then they did Shuva. So... Doesn't always happen. What, what, why was he so scared? Hashem promised. Wasn't just here. Hashem says on his way out. Remember, it wasn't so long ago. Last week's parsha. Hashem says, "I'm going to be with you." We spoke about it last week. I'm going to be with you physically. I'm going to be with you spiritually. So, what was Yaakov nervous about? Says the Azayim LaTorah in the name of Reblazer Gordon and in the name of that he heard it from. Rabbi Yisrael, in the, in the, the name of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. says Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, line number 12. He gives a mashal. Mashal. The hainu. If I hire a worker to do something for me, a project, and I wasn't able to do it, I'm a hired worker and I couldn't do it. If you didn't do it, I don't have to pay you. I hired you to do something. You didn't do it. I don't have to pay you. V'im ha-po'el ani. But what if the po'el is an ani? V'balabayis nidiv v'shua. U'mishalem lo k'meshiv tiyach. 
What if the Baalbeis feels bad? What if I have a worker in my house and they're, they do a good job, they're, 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 they're poor. And one time they couldn't come to work. They couldn't clean. They couldn't, they, they couldn't do anything. And they come and they apologize. Oh, my kid was sick and a this and a that. You know, it could be that I'll have Rahman and I'll pay them anyway. Because that's what we are. Rahman and B'nai Rahman Amar. We're like a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Somebody doesn't do the job, I don't have to pay them, but I might anyway. That's what Hashem would do. Hashem promised, so then he's going to do it. If we didn't do exactly what we were supposed to do, he'll still be Mekayim as Avtacha. Because he'll pay it. But what about this marshal? A little bit different. Ava line twenty three Hasochar as a Polish Marlo Eza Hefetz Yakar Viftiachlo Bisharadinar Zov. I give you something to watch for me. I give you a picadon. Please watch this for me. Vahashomer Lo Shamar, and I was negligent in my guarding it. Vahefetz Nishbar Bipshia, and I broke it. Or I left it clearly out somewhere and it was taken. And what if I smashed it? Oh, I'm so sorry. There's no Rachmanis there. Just the opposite. They have to pay me. It's not that even I don't even have to pay them. They have to pay me. The Balabais obviously doesn't have to pay the worker. But the worker even has to pay the balabais, and there's no lufnim mishuris hadin here. And even if the balabais is a nice guy, you know what the most he'll say is, "Okay, just forget about it. Let's call it even, even though it's not even." He'll tell the worker, "Don't worry about it." But he's not going to give. He's not going to give him something extra. So, dailo and lo yigdem imenos dinar zav. Second column, shapochayev l'shalim. Says Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us all a job. He gives us all mitzvahs to do, and we rebel against him. We violate. We do things we're not supposed to do. We listen. We hear. We see. We're involved in things that aren't so great and aren't so perfect. Each on our own level, and Yaakov on his level, and he violates a losase, which is like breaking something. It's not just not doing something. We've, we, we violate. The Gemara says in Masechah's brachas, if we eat something without a bracha properly, it's like stealing from God. I only have permission if I see a bracha. I'm matirit. So I steal from Hashem. I do things like that. I'm not going to Says Yaakov, I'm nervous. Shema nisyare hachet. Shema garam hachet. Chas v'shalom. Halavai, I shouldn't get the onesh. But who knows if I'm going to be zochet to the extra divine protection. Says of Yisrael Salanter, how careful we must be. Not only to try to do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks of us, but not to break what he gives us. Not to negatively affect our neshamas, which he cleans off every night and gives back to us. Shema Yigra Machet. We all have what we have to work on. Okay, and we continue. Yaakov and the Malach. So much to discuss here. We will not discuss this year the Gidhan Asha. We've discussed that many times. Rabbam and Pirish Mishnais and Chul and Davkuf. Not for now. If you don't remember it, must be reviewed each year at least once. But towards the end of the battle, the Malach says, let me go. Let me go. I have to leave. I have an appointment. The Malach saw he couldn't overtake him and he hits him in the thigh. And... It gets dislocated. Vayomer, and then he says to Yaakov, it's amazing, you think, Amalek is not a physical being. Yaakov is a physical being. Right? We think of Yaakov fighting Amalek. It's got to be, have a, a deep, deep message here. Shalcheni ki hashachar. Let me leave. Because it's morning time. What, he's, uh, he has to, right, he's gonna, something's going to happen to him at morning? It's like midnight, he's going to turn into uh, to a pumpkin? I mean, what's, 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 what does it mean? You have to let me go. It's morning. Malachim are only out at night. Vayomer and, uh, and Yaakov says, no, give me a bracha. Give me a bracha. It's amazing. He asks his enemy for a bracha. 
And he says, what's your name? Yaakov. And he names him Yisrael. Says the, says the Pasuk, even before that, we will get to, even I wanted to uh, get back to that in, uh, actually let's do that now because it's, uh, it's in the order here. Source number six. Says the, did a little out of order. What does the Medrash say? What was he rushing to do? Why did he have to leave? Rashi quotes, I have to go sing my shira, sing my song. What does that mean? Dafka now all of a sudden? He has to say shira. But he says shira at this time every day. Right, what is it? Why not? What? So shira two hours from now. Right, he, he, he went to fight Yaakov. Asked, source number six, the Yagdal Torah, the Magan Mikajnis, Sarak Lahavin, Miyom Shenivra, Saro Shalesov. This was the moment in history that he had to sing his Shiva to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he quotes, what does it mean that a Malach has to say Shira? A Malach, many sources tell us, obviously is not a physical being, a Malach is created for a certain purpose, for a Shlichus. And once that Shlichus is fulfilled, most Malachim, besides for the fixed ones like Michael and Gabriel and Uriel, but they're created for a purpose and then they are no longer existing. Says the Magami Kajnis, Shira means I have fulfilled my task for which I was created for. Some of them have a lot of tasks. Saro Shalesa, who is the Sar of Esav? It's everything in the dark side. Who Yetzahara, who Satan, Umalacha Maves. That's the Saro Shalesav. Shinivra Lahasis Hadam Ulasiro Midas Yotro. Why was he created? He was created. It was created to give us Bechira Chavshis. If there was no Yetzahara, if there was no negative Taiva, if there was no dark side, then there wouldn't be a challenge in life. And that's not what life's about. Life's about people. Life's not about angels. And that's why these kochos are created. But even though they're created with this purpose, their ultimate goal is for us to overpower them and pass the test. Deep, deep down, even though we always talk about the eight Sahara, and we always talk about we got to fight the eight Sahara, but ultimately, the greatest fulfillment of his tafkid is when we beat him. That's his tachlis. To create the choice for us and for us to overcome. Lomrot shalakach nivra ein chayfetz hamalach hazeh be'emesh ha'yishma adam lakololah We usually think of like the Yitzhahara smiling after we sin. Oh yeah. No, he's not smiling in that sense. He'll keep trying to get us to fall, even after we do the mitzvah. He wants us to regret the mitzvah. He never stops. But why was he created? Not to trip us up. To try to trip us up and to create a challenge for us. His job, Hashem created him to seduce us, to do what's bad. But if he loses, so then he achieves his ultimate tafkid and his purpose. Seizes. Saru shall Esav at that moment achieved the Tachlis. What was the ultimate achievement? That he was overpowered by Yaakov Avinu. He loses the fight and therefore he says, I have to go sing Shira. I have to say Shira Takarish Baruch. And that's exactly what he what he did, and that's why he had to leave it. Davka at that moment. It wasn't that that was planned. But it became planned. It became it became Tachuf. And Yaakov realizes that and maybe he says, okay, now give me a bracha. Give me a bracha. We mentioned a number of years ago in a Shabbat Shuvah drasha. Rav Salvechik writes in one of his drashos, every person is like a malach as well. And every person has a shlichus. And every person is a malach. And we're given 120 years to, sit, to fulfill that shlichus. And after 120, we must sing shira as well. But as is Hashem, that we have fulfilled our tachlis and the shlichus that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created for us. Moving right along. One other point related to the malach. 
Actually, maybe we will get to Gedanasha. I forgot. Okay. Let's first focus on one word. One word describing Yaakov Avinu. And there's an unbelievable medrash, which has a heckish, which you and I have, would never have been able to come up with, but the medrash does. Pazik tells us, at the beginning of the fight, how did this whole episode start? Pasik Chavhei, it's even a song. Vayivaser Yaakov Levado. Yaakov remains by himself. Vayavek Ishimo Adalosa Shachar. Yaakov remains by himself and he struggles with the man until the morning. What was he struggling? Why did he get left alone? The Pachim Ktanim. Okay, goes back over. Discussed in the past the message of the Pachim Ktanim. Vayaki lo yachal The word Levado is used by Yaakov Avinu. Vayivaser Yaakov Levado. The Medrash says it has a drasha, which if the Medrash wouldn't say it, we wouldn't be able to say it. The Medrash says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is also described as Levado. Line 17 in source number 7. V'nizkav Hashem Levado Bayomahu. Hashem will be glorified on that day. That's the Medrash, even in the song. You put those two psukim together. V'yivaser Yaakov Levado. Just like Hashem is Levado, so the world Levado. How could we even say such a thing? What do you mean Levado? Hashem. It doesn't mean Echad. That's what it sounds like. Hashem is unique and we are unique. Chas v'shalom. How are we allowed to say that? What's the man just talking about? Ma Kaddish Baruch Hu Katuv Bo V'nizka Hashem Levado Av Yaakov V'yivaser Yaakov Levado How are we like a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Okay, we have to imitate our Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's our mitzvah. Yes, one of the 613. The last few mitzvahs of the Sefer HaChinuch, one of the last few mitzvahs, is V'halach the Bedrachav. It says that eight times in the Torah. The Chavetz Chaim says in the Hagdama Ta'avas Chesed. Eight times in the Torah we are commanded to be like God. Eight, how do you remember eight? It's one above Teva. Right? If we're like a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're above, we're above nature. That's a Hosafa. He doesn't say that. But it says, eight times, we're commanded to be like a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But that doesn't mean we are like a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It doesn't mean that we have a Hekish, that we compare two things. So how is the Medrash saying that we're like a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Says Rav Gedalia Shor. Again, it's a longer piece. But let's just get his root, his root message. Based on a Chovos Halavavos. Line 27. In Shar Abitachon. Where he describes the greatest level of bitachon. What he's about to say, if Rav Salvechik would say it, and he did say it, the lonely man of faith. Famous essay of his. Let's keep that phrase in mind. because That's exactly what Rav Gadal Yashur is about to describe. A person who is mo'es. Mo'es means disgusted with, but it doesn't mean that he can't stand it. It just means that's not the focus of his life. And he runs in his machshava. He's always constantly going to God. And here's the next line, the key one. And even when somebody is in a crowd, the connection that they feel most deeply, even when they are in a crowd, I'm surrounded by a thousand people. I'm alone. I'm alone. Not lonely, maybe also lonely, but alone. That is the ultimate Baal HaBitachon. Somebody who is always connected. He's always plugged in. Kiteva ha'adam, because you know what? It's natural for us to be more connected to the people around us. Teva ha'adam lidavik bechevras anashim. Kolkach adki bilta huat areu ka'avin. Man is a social gregarious being. We can't, we can't be alone. We can't, we don't like being alone. We don't like expressing to one another. The Kunjulasvekas, the brother of the Xos, writes in his Agdama. He says, if I would get the chance, if a malach would come down from heaven and say to me, you know what? I'll show you everything in Shemayim. Come up, I'll show you Gan Eden. I'll show you, Gan Eden's on earth. But I'll show you everything in Shemayim. I'll show you all the secrets of the world. I'll show you everything. On one condition. You cannot tell a soul when I put you back down here. Says the Kunjus Vegas, I would say no. Go up and not be able, have to hold it in. Can't tell my wife. Can't tell anybody. It's impossible. 
We have to express. That's just who we are. We're social beings. And yet, and yet, if a Bobby Tachon reaches the level that even more of a need for him is not the need to be connected to people, but the need to be connected to God, that's the ultimate level. And that's like, we would think impossible, but that's what we have to shoot for. Where it's underlined. Right? Sometimes we feel that way if we're in a crowd amongst people we don't know. We feel alone. Because we're not connected to them. But even sometimes if we're with friends, we're connected because deep down we're like thinking of our, of our spouse. And a deeper level is we're just thinking of God. That's levado. That's our connection, that we can be like HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is independent of his surroundings, says the Argadalia, unchanging. So too, the highest level that Yaakov reached at that moment was Levado. His ultimate connection, even with all of his love for Rachel, all of his connections with his children, still, he was alone. He was alone with God. His connection with him is not totally on any of his surroundings. That's the level of Levado. And again, we don't have time to go into it, but on the next page, he says, that's what the Malach was trying to break. What does it say right after? That right after Levado in the Torah, the next word, the Malach attacks him. The very next word, because that's what the sire of Esav is trying to dislocate. He's trying to break a Jew's connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Don't be connected. Don't be levado. And that's what he puts dust on it from the word avak. And that's what he tried to do. But Yaakov was able to overcome levado. Okay, two more points for the evening. One a little uh, drawn out, which we're not going to draw out but it's here in front of you to draw out. And then another just uh, quick one to end off. Paraglamid Beis, Pasaglamid Beis, we get again, as I misspoke before, we will talk about the Gidhan Asha. The last Pasag of Gidhan Asha, what does the word Nasha mean anyway? Gidhan Asha, the dislocated sinew, the moved sinew. That's what Nasha means. Nasha. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says, Nasha, based on a Gemara in Chulin, you have it at the beginning of Source number 9, that it was Kafatz Vizaz, Mimukomo. It jumped out of its spot, its natural spot, and it went somewhere else. Nasha. Git Hanasha. Says Reb Nevenzal in his Sichos, I have another shot of Nasha connecting to another Pusik in Bracious. We will learn that Yosef Atzadik names his eldest son Minasha. Same word, Nasha. And the Torah explains why. What does that mean in that context? Forget. Forgetting. Hashem, help me forget all the Tsaris of mine. That's what Yosef was saying. So Nasha means to forget. How does that connect to Gid Hanasha? There is a connection, says Rav Nevenzal, in that when I forget, my memory, what was in my brain, is dislocated. It has moved out of where it should be. And I wish I could get it back in. And I wish I could just pop it back in. And sometimes it's very painful, the dislocation. If I'm about to say something and I forgot it, and it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember it, it's dislocated. I have a dislocated brain at that moment. Or the brain is not dislocated. Dislocated memory. That's nausea. Says Reb Nebenzal. Memory and forgetting. Let's focus on forgetting. Shechacha is both a bracha and a klala. On the one hand, Shechacha, says Rav Nevenzal, and it's all right here in source number 9 and 10, is a great matana. Matana tova. We can't live without forgetting. We can't. Line 28. Lule Shechacha zu hayadam nishar kol yamav in razikar and amarshal yom ptiras ahuvo. Rachmano litzlan. The pain that we feel when we lose a relative. If we felt that pain for the rest of our life, we wouldn't be able to live. We wouldn't be able to function. You could also say it the other way. Right? If we would have the simcha that we have when somebody's engaged, somebody's wedding, they can't focus on anything else. They would also want to get anything done. 
Right? They're on a different planet. Right? So we have to forget. Right? That's what Kodesh Baruch Hu made us. And we need to forget. And it's a great matana. Three days, seven days, Shloshim, Shana. Right? What about Busha? If we feel embarrassed at about a certain moment in our life. Also, if we would feel that Busha forever, we wouldn't be able to go on. We get over things. If we would feel hatred, we want to take revenge against somebody. Chas v'shalom. Also, give it a couple of days. But on the other hand, then there's another shechacha. That's the bad shechacha. Turning the page, and that of course is the shechacha of spiritual matters. Not just unintentionally, because we all have to forget things. But it's the intentional shechacha. Or the negligent shechacha is a better term. If we don't work as hard as we should be working, and therefore we forget. We're negligent. Nobody, none of us forget things on purpose. Purpose is not really the right word. Negligent in terms of how we should push ourselves. Right? Not every one of the gedolim of our leaders has a photographic memory. But they all work very, very hard. And that's what engraves it in their brain and in their hearts. Somebody who is mashkiach, not just shocheach. Says Reb Nevenzal, the Gid Hanoshe, what the Sar of Esau was trying to do was to cause Yaakov to forget. To bring in the bad type of Shechacha to him. To have the Torah dislocated. And this could connect very nicely to the Argadalia. He was Lovado. He was totally connected. And he was, it's all the same idea. Towards the bottom, line 34. Shechacha psula zushi karnu. Hihi osa nishia. Osa akira zikaran shal shma nikra osa gid. The Gid Hanasheh, the Gid HaShichicha. And Rabosa, he says, he says, Yaakov Avinu was able to overcome, but because for those few moments he was successful, that's the root of all of our bad Shichicha. That's the root that in our DNA we have to work so hard because the Sar of Esav was successful a little bit. He caused him to limp. And that's what our job is, to overcome that as well, like Yaakov Avinu, to only have the natural Shichicha, what we can't help but not the shichacha that we could overcome. And also, as he says towards the end, in source 11, right, we're getting into the time. The Chodesh of Kislev. What do we say at the beginning of Alanisim? Lahashkicham Torasecha. Ulahavir mechukei wetzonecha. That's what they, the Avanim were trying to do. To cause us to forget. Lahashkicham Torasecha. It was the spiritual danger. And for that, we have to stand up and fight. Like we mentioned before, earlier, from the Yalkut Yehuda. And one final thought for the evening, and this is something that we have to take with us, and it's what we, this idea is said by many, but not always in this context. What happens at the end of the story? Yaakov starts walking away, and the sun shines on him. Vayizrach lo Hashemesh. The sun shines on him. What does that mean? Says the Medrash, Rashi quotes it. The sun came out extra for him. Why? Because at the beginning of Ayatse, it set quickly for him, so he'd go to sleep, so he'd be able to have the vision. So here, it was extra light for him. It was just for him. He got the Shemesh just for him. That's the Medrash. Says the Menachem Sion, Menachem, Menachem Zaks, the son-in-law of Rav Pesach. Grandfather of Rabbi Sachs, who's uh, many are familiar with, from Passaic. Amar Rabbi Akiva, Says Rabbi Akiva, Sha'ati is Rabbi Gamliel, as Rabbi Yeshua, Be'ilishel Imaum, Sha'ochulikach Behema, Lemishta Benosh Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Akiva asked a question to Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua when they were in the butcher shop buying meat for the wedding of Rabbi Gamliel's son. When did they buy meat for the wedding? Must have been that morning. They didn't have refrigerators. They went to the butcher shop that morning. So Rabbi Akiva was talking to Rabbi Gamliel and Yeshua in the butcher shop. And what did they ask him? Torah. Torah was just talking about the wedding. Flowers and caterer. No, it's the Torah. Ksiv, Vayizrach lo Hashemesh. Rabbi Akiva says, 
The sun shined for him. What do you mean for him? It was for the whole world. What does it say? Lo Hashemesh. Am Rabbi Yitzchak, Shemesh Zachar As we said, that's that was what they were talking about in the butcher shop. Ask the Menachem Sien, why out of all things that they could be talking about in the butcher shop on the day of his son's wedding, why did Rabbi Akiva bring that up? Oh. Rabbi Akiva throughout Shas, and we've mentioned this a number of times, is always known for optimism. He's always known for a positive outlook. Right? Rabbi Akiva, the last Gemara in Marcus. That's the most famous time. Right? The fox is walking in Harabayas, everybody else is crying and he's laughing. Oh, I know the other Navu is going to come true. Why they all go at the Seder? Right? They went to Rabbi Akiva, the five rabbis. They went to B'nai Brak. That was Rabbi Akiva's town. Why did they go to Rabbi Akiva? Because he was the optimist. Why? Because when did that Seder take place? When did Rabbi Akiva live? He lived after the Churban Abayas in that generation. So it was a depressing generation. Depressed. You call this a Seder? You call this Yantif? Forget it. Rabbi Akiva said, no, no, no. You got to have hope. And that's why Rabbi Akiva, that also fits in to why Rabbi Akiva was the one that believed in Bar Kochva. Why? Because he had such hope. He was wrong. But he had such hope, but she has got to come. And that's why they came to him at the Seder to get, to get um, idud, to get encouragement. The Gemara tells us that the Chachamim were thinking after the Chorban to make certain takanos. They said, maybe we should ask her eating meat. Because of the Churban Abayas, the Mizbech doesn't have meat. Maybe we should ask her drinking wine. Forever! Until we get another Beis HaMikdash. All these Isurim. And the guy ends up saying, you know, people have to live. We can't do this. But they had all these different types of laws by weddings. Can't do this, can't do that. So imagine what Rabbi Gamliel was going through on the day of his son's wedding. Rabbi Yeshua. This is a wedding in the backdrop of the Churban Abayas. Rabbi Akiva goes and says to them, cheer up guys. Vayizrach lo Hashemesh. The sun's going to shine. It's going to shine on Yaakov. There are times when the sire of Esav is fighting us, where we're downtrodden, where we're being killed, where we're being massacred. And yet, Rabbi Kiva says, Vayizrach lo Hashemesh. The Shemesh is going to shine. Think about that. You're making a wedding tonight. Cheer up. Vayizrach lo Hashemesh. That's what he tells him in the butcher shop on the morning of his son's wedding. And that's what we have to realize, says the Menachem Sion. Whenever Rabbi Akiva is talking, we have to, we have, to have this attitude. By Yisrach lo Hashemesh, may it happen speedily in our days.